Today's episode is brought to you by T-Mobile. See how T-Mobile has changed the game at the 2016 T-Mobile Home Run Derby. Go to T-Mobile.com backslash MLB and see how. everyone, John Worth, I'm here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast from the All England Club here at Wimbledon. Our guest today is Paul Anacone. We're going to do that again. We got a lot of nice feedback, so we uh, will press the Paul button again and get him back here to preview the men's semis here at Wimbledon. Roger Federer versus Milos Raonic, Andy Murray against Thomas Burdick, as well as the women's semis. Venus Williams, Angie Kerber, Serena Williams, Alina Vesnina. It's been an interesting tournament, to say the least. Novak Djokovic losing in the third round to Sam Querrey. We've had some rain. We've had the roof come up. But now things have settled, and we have uh, two more rounds of tennis in what's been a pretty good tournament overall, I'd say. Paul is nodding in agreement. Um, let's bring him in now without further ado. Paul Anacone, thanks for doing this again. Love to be here anytime. We had fun last week, so let's uh, let's update. These are a little tricky because they are so time sensitive. So to be precise, it is eleven fifty-five a.m. local. We are in advance of the women's semis, so I hope this isn't going to be too obsolete by the time people listen to it. But we're coming off really one of the great matches, certainly of the tournament. I would say really in recent memory, Roger Federer coming back from two sets. To love to be Chilich. Uh, surprised thoughts. Let's let's go general, and then we can dig a little bit. Sure. I mean, it's always tough with the you know a matchup like that. I think for anyone because um, you know Chilich is one of these guys that when he gets hot, he can take the racket out of your hand, and that's kind of what he did to Roger the first couple of sets. Roger had a couple of break points early on in the first set, and then really didn't have a look for a while. Um, Chilich was teeing off on return of serves good serve and good first strike tennis, and really it was just about resilience for Federer. I mean, he really just had to hang in there and see if he could create a couple of opportunities, and many had to fend off a couple of huge moments. Three match points, two second serve looks for Chilich. One was 104 up the tee, missed forehand. One was 108 up the tee. Those are both second serve looks. They're good serves, but on the racket of the long Chilich. And those two, you got to get at least one of them in play. So in Andy Murray's match that came afterwards, at some point late, I believe it was early in the fifth set, he said, there's no, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically there's no way I'm losing this match. And I thought that was instructive. I mean, it was a, it was a rare sort of defend this house that we uh, we don't often see in tennis, but I thought it was interesting that he articulated what he was clearly thinking. What is Roger's internal conversation? I mean, knowing him as you do, what is he telling himself? What is his level of anger, outrage, motivation? I mean, when it's two sets to love, Wimbledon quarterfinal, what is his internal conversation sound yeah, like? He's a very different, um, has a very different emotional setup than Andy. Andy, you see he wears his heart on his sleeve, pro and con. And, and I think Roger... You know, he's more methodical. He's more about process, I think. He's more, I think he's more pragmatic, you know, in his approach. And it's really matter of fact at this stage in his career, as cliche as it is, he is a point for point guy. And he knows that, 
you know, all that really matters is the next point. And I think a lot of players are driven by um, emotional disposition. And Roger know, knows he's best when he's comfortable, composed, and quiet. And I think Andy's very different. So Roger just stays in the moment and stays in this process much more. So I was talking to one player yesterday who said, it was early in the match, and he said, you know, Roger had these first four matches. They couldn't have gotten any better. Draw was very nice. Conditions were nice. He knew when he was playing. He didn't have to deal with the weather. And all of a sudden, here comes this big heavy hitter that was a real upgrade in in quality from his previous four matches. Is that a factor? I mean, do you think at this stage in his, do you buy that? Well, I do a little bit. A lot's good. To me, when you have an older player who's 34 years of age, which Roger is, he'll be 35 in August, and he's coming off of a bumpy health year, knee surgery, the back's been bothering him now for on and off for probably six, eight weeks, and uh, at least six weeks, eight weeks probably. And, and so to me, the reason it matters so much is how's he going to respond now? Because the body doesn't react like it used to. Uh, that was a, wasn't a huge, you know, it wasn't an eight-hour match, wasn't a five-hour match, it wasn't 19-17 in, in the fifth, but because Chilich takes the ball early and hits the ball so flat, you have a lot of quick movements, so I wonder how the body's going to feel today and tomorrow for Roger. That would be my biggest concern. Hot day, uh, hot day too. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's grass court tennis, the matches go fast. But yeah. I talked to him afterwards, and, and he felt good. He said it actually felt nice that it was warm. You know, it's actually worse when it's colder. And, and he, said that, he said he felt great, and, you know, he was happy to get through that match, obviously, and was happy with how, you know, he served, especially at the big moments. And she's no double faults in five sets for Federer. That's an impressive little The, the match stats on that were unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, more than twice as many. Now, did, did you know that aces count in the winner's category? Yeah, I do. I did know that. And it's a little misleading. And I know Roger had 27 yesterday. Right. Chilich is 23. Is that right? So Roger, you know, is such an... He's a bit of an underrated server. He's such a great spot server. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of that at big moments. You want to preview uh, the two semifinal matches first on the men's side, then we can do the women? Sure. Roger and Milish? Yeah, this is, to me, is really going to be about two things. How Roger responds physically from yesterday and really a battle of who's more successful returning second serves. And if Federer can impact the roundage second serve, he'll be successful. If he can't, then that's going to free up Roundich to be really aggressive on his serve games, but more important, Roundich is going to be able to tee off on the return games, and that can be problematic. With just one swing, just one at bat, home runs can be the ultimate game changer. At T-Mobile, they know how to change the game for good. They've doubled their LTE coverage to reach 309 million Americans. That's roughly every American. And the extended range LTE reaches two times farther, four times stronger in buildings than before. Just as the network has you covered, T-Mobile has a home run derby covered too. The home run derby, one of the great events of All-Star Weekend in baseball, is soon upon us. And T-Mobile is the brains behind the operation. Make your picks at T-Mobile's Home Run Derby Bracket Challenge at T-Mobile.com slash MLB for a chance to win a trip for four to Game 1 of the World Series, which will no doubt be held at City Field. T-Mobile changing the game for good. LTE doubled over 2015 and 2016. No purchase necessary to enter to win. Offer ends July 10th, 2016. Open to legal residents of the U.S., the 50 states, and D.C. You have to be 18 or over. Void where prohibited. For official rules and complete details, visit MLB.com dot com slash bracket challenge how much 
I don't, I don't want to say distracted, but how much energy does this tournament take from Roger, which is so different? I mean, there are, you stay in a house, you don't stay in hotels. There's Edberg comes in, and Anna Wintour is in the box, and the parents fly over, and the club members. I mean, how, how much does that change his rhythms? Well, I've, I've never been around a player that does a better job of um, kind of detaching from any wasted energy. He, he doesn't carry much baggage with him and emotional baggage or uh, baggage that can detract from what he wants to do. So I I think at this stage in his career, he's very comfortable in his environment, and he knows how to manage it that works for him. Probably wouldn't work for many other players, but it works for him. Andy Murray is the highest remaining seed and was ever since Djokovic went out. He's, of the players remaining, the most recent to win a major. He's the most recent Wimbledon champ of the remaining players. I don't, it's never your tournament to lose, but how does the fact that this is such an opportunity for him play into these next matches? Yeah, I think this has been his tournament. I think he has played the best tennis. Um, you know, to kind of neutralize Kyrgios in straight sets is pretty impressive. Um, I was, you know, I've been impressed all along. Yesterday um, was a little surprising that he let a lead slip away and gave. Sangha an opportunity to get back into that uh, match in the fourth set. Um, but then in the fifth set, right away, put the clamps on after being down break point in the first game. So he's, look, Andy is a tremendous competitor. He understands the environment extremely well. Um, it's going to be about him managing some of his demons, and it's going to be about uh, whether or not, I really think it's going to be about how well he um, serves. Is he a strategic server, or does he go for a lot of big first serves and give the semifinalist Thomas Burdick, and then ultimately, if he gets through that, the finalist a lot of look at his second serves. If he does, that's where he can get in trouble. We, we were talking, though, his, his second serve. I mean, I, I can't think of a male player, and maybe even, I mean, Venus being one female player that springs to mind, where there's a difference, variation, there's such a wide variation, first versus second serve, but he's winning a reasonable amount of those second-serve points. I mean, you see with your naked eye that that, you know, there's a couple of those second serves in the 80s and you're mm-hmm. rolling your eyes, but he actually seems to play those second-serve points pretty well. He does, and that's the problem, because what you're seeing is he beats a lot of players with that serve, and and where he can get in trouble is against the last few, the last 1% of the best players. And yeah. that's a, that's a... That is an area that Federer can take advantage of. That's an area that Burdick can take advantage of. And we've seen Novak take advantage of it. So the challenge for Andy has always been, how do you change something that can beat 98% of the players um, in such a way that you feel confident using it against the best few in the semis and finals? And that's a tough habit to break. That's a really good point. All right, we are two weeks done with the NBA season, and yet pro basketball remains prominent in the sports talkosphere. SI's Open Floor podcast was already going to be required listening, and then, of course, Kevin Durant decided to join the Warriors. Now Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver, their heads may actually explode during this podcast recording. You don't want to miss it. Subscribe to Open Floor on iTunes, Stitcher, your podcast app of choice, and hear the whole network at si.com backslash podcasts. Let me, let me ask you an inside baseball question. Uh, Patriots kick off at 8.07. You said baseball, right? Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's do an inside <laughs> sports question. Right. I'll come up with baseball. The uh, first pitch of the Red Sox right. game, 7.37. You yeah. tell your day around that. Patriots kick off at 
3.30, and that's how they structure their day. Warriors, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, Andy Murray's sitting there with Sanga, and Chilich goes up two sets to love, and he's got... Well, know, 40, 40, love. 40, yeah, yeah, love 40. Love 40. Yeah, he's got uh, three break point, points at three all in the third set. I'm stretching, I'm walking out. Then he's got match points in the next set. And finally, this thing ends in Roger Federer's advantage an hour later. How much of a disruption is that? I mean, well, how, how much do you think that plays yeah, into those look, guys? I, look, I lived it, and I've so, seen it so many times. And that's what the – I think the male players have a distinct challenge because it can go, you know, huge discrepancy in time. And really what you do is you prepare, you warm up, and then Andy probably started warming up at three all. You know, in the locker room, you're doing your foot stuff, you're getting your footwork going and all that stuff. And then you just have to wait and bite your nails once it gets into tiebreak time or whatever, and then you cool down again. So he may have warmed up two or three times before he went out there. But I think at this stage, it's just part and parcel with what the players have to do. So they have their own routines to be successful. I think that's so under... I mean, you talk to comedians and they say that the preceding act has so much impact on theirs and... Did the guy bomb, or what, did he kill, and there was energy? Does everybody need to go to the bathroom? Did he go over his time? These comedians say, like, the preceding act has all sorts of bearing. I, I can't imagine what it's like thinking you're going to play at 3 o'clock and stretching and eating and then finding out, oh, you're actually not taking the court till 4.30. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's a challenge, but, you know, it, I think both players, you know, both for Andy and Joe had to figure that out yesterday, and I think that the guys have a little bit of a disadvantage because of the five sets. Women's side. Williams, Williams still remain 36 and 34 years old. I was thinking their they're combined age, they're actually, they're actually closer to age 50 than to age 20. Yeah, exactly. um, give us some perspective on the Williams story to begin with. I think it's amazing. You know, I'm so happy for Venus, you know, to see the smile on her face after these matches and the post-match interviews and to see the excitement after watching her last fall in Asia win a couple of titles at the end of the year, get back into the top 10 and really see how well she can still play um, to be able to schedule herself so she can do it here at the big moments. It's been great to see. So I'm really happy for Venus. I really hope that she can play well in the semifinals today. I think it's going to be a tough matchup because I think Kerber's going to make her hit that extra ball every point. Um, and who knows how much these long matches that it can have taken out of her. I mean, uh, leading into the match, leading into her quarterfinal match, she'd been on the court over eight and a half hours, I think. Right, so, right. so that is always a little bit disconcerting. Um, but we'll see how she, you know, she's been here before. She knows how to manage it. Um, and Kerber's getting her confidence back, which is nice to see after Australia. But I, I give Kerber a slight edge. Um, but I think the crowd's going to be going crazy for Venus, which will be a lot of fun. Venus has to serve well and try to attack Kerber and get the first hit in so she can be the offensive player. Um, and for Serena, you know, I can't imagine Viznina bothering her. Uh, I think Viznina has to be really aggressive on Serena's second serve. And I, and I think if she, can, right. if she can impact Serena's second serve, she has a chance and she's got to do it early on. We've seen Serena hiccup slightly in the big moments this year. You know, she's gotten to two major finals, so maybe there's a little bit of nerves kicking in. So Viznina has to try to find a way to expose that. But, I, you know, I think Serena's biggest weapon really is that she can win 
major titles playing, I think, at 60% right. of her level. Right. But if she doesn't allow that emotionally, if she's too critical of herself emotionally, then that 60% level won't let her win. Well, what, what are you telling her? I mean, it's, it's, I, I feel like the Serena thing, we, we've seen, you know, we, we saw it, honestly, we saw it a bit with Pete. I mean, we've seen champions in all sports. You, you hit a certain age, and it's not necessarily you decline, but the consistency goes away. Yeah. That's really not, I mean, Serena's gotten, it's been a year since she's won a major, but she's gone semifinal, final, final. So it's not as though she's losing exactly. a second-round match. Yeah, I mean, she's what, playing well. What are you telling her? If you're her coach. To me, I'm telling, you know, I throw cliches at left and right, and Pete could probably tell you he was sick of them after a while. Roger, too. <laughs> but I'm just a big believer. And Serena, it's, it's not a, it's a cliche, but it's true. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. I mean, she's right. played average, and she's finals to Australia and finals to the French, and she's in the semis here. I mean, my biggest thing would be, it's very hard to change habits, particularly in 34-year-olds, but I would try to help her with her composure and clarity so that her passion doesn't turn into pessimism or brutal self-assessment while she's on the court. You know, well, I want to during, make, during the points. During the yeah. points, during the matches, even if she's not winning or not playing great. I, I want her to be clear and committed and have what I categorize as a, a champion's sense of inevitability. It's going to get there. I'm not worried about it. I'm not panicked. I'm going to figure it out. Just when? Yeah, just when. So... Uh... You have siblings, I have siblings. If, in fact, we get Williams-Williams, do you envision any scenario in which Serena, which all she's gone through in the past year, threshold of history, Wimbledon, one away from tying Steffi Graf, do you envision any scenario in which Venus can win that match? I think that's an easier match for Serena to play than to play Kerber, to be honest with you. And, And I just think it's... You know, while there's so much emotion involved sentimentally because it's a sibling, I think there's also a really high comfort level. And I think that's easier than Serena playing Kerber. Um, If it's Serena and Venus, I I give it a 75-25 Serena edge. Someone said she's just handles that dynamic better. Yeah, she's and amazing, and, and she does. And, I, you know, I hope we, I hope they both play well today. But I'm really, really, i got to say, I've gotten wrapped up in seeing Venus do well here. Oh, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a great story. And she also seems just, I don't know if you followed her she, press conference. She's buoyant. She's I mean, buoyant. She's, she's glowing. Gushing. She's, she's yeah, walking I mean, around with so a smile. It's so great to see, yeah. Um, you like this tournament so far? Love it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, a little bit disappointed that Novak's not around, but I was so happy for Sam Query. Um, uh, other than that, it's been a, it's been a lot of excitement. But this last weekend, I think we may have a few a few moments of excitement left. Let, let's uh, let's end with Novak because um, you know he's obviously not in the conversation this week. But you take a step back, and this is still his tour. His game, his time, he's still number one by a ridiculous margin. He's still won for the last five majors. What are you thinking? Where is he right now? Where do you think he goes from here? Is this a hiccup? Is this, you know, the scuttlebutt among players is that he sort of got the yips a little bit and was they, I think, feel a little bit energized by that result. But... Um, you know, we, in NBA, they say there are four games a year that you just throw away. You don't even watch the game. Right. Just you're gonna, you're going to have that. Yeah, 5% but in the NBA, the you don't generally throw those games away when those games happen in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. In the World Championship, exactly. And that's that's going to be Novak's challenge. Is he's got to he's got to find the why behind what happened, and, and only he and his team know. 
But uh, to me, it's not a big deal. It happens to every great player. I mean, Roger missed a couple big forehands at big moments yesterday. Chilich didn't get a ball in play. We've seen Serena stumble in two finals. So to me, it's not a big deal. It's only how you react to it. And I think that, you know, Boris, of all people who's been there so much, should be able to help him settle down. Boris time. That's a good good point. That would be my, you know, I would be leaning on him to say, look, tell me about some times where you went through this, where you had a big disappointment, and how'd you regroup? What do you think we should do? I I don't know if you had this when you you played. I, I find it really interesting, though, that two weeks ago it was, you know, it's Novak's world and we just live here. Three sets of losing tennis, and there's a lot of chatter now about how maybe there's a neck injury, and look at his second serve percentages, and something's going on in his head. I mean, there, I think, is a, a real sense that uh, three sets of tennis, and now he's suddenly vulnerable. Yeah, I don't make, for me, you know, just going from my historical, just my experiences, I don't make anything of it. It doesn't become a trend or a habit until it is and it's not yet it's one match and that's where his team and his coach have to be re- coaches have to be really clear about calm cool composed planning and it's not a big deal you know you fought your way back into the match you got a little bit unlucky in the four set yeah you missed a couple of shots but so what look right. at what you've done in the last two years it's not a big deal the the narratives athletes tell themselves are, are really remarkable um this was great Thanks. Always a pleasure. Thanks, John. We'll uh, we'll do it again soon and uh, go up and call some tennis. Awesome. Thanks. All right. That does it for this week. John Wertheim here. That was your Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Special thanks to Paul Anacone for kicking the wisdom again. Paul obviously knows the sport uh, exceedingly well and also has some real insight into Roger Federer that he's very good about articulating. Uh, we'll see how these next few rounds play out. I hope you get a chance to listen to this before too much of this discussion is obsolete. We'll try and wrap up the tournament next week. We have a special WTA guest lined up that I hope works out. Enjoy the last two rounds. Special thanks, as always, to our uh, Roger Federer of Tennis Podcast Production, Jamie Lasanti. I'm John Wertheim. We're at the All England Club. Enjoy the second weekend of Wimbledon, everyone. Mm-hmm.